This podcast is sponsored by Tell2App.com. Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. Hello, everybody. How are you? And today is Wednesday. And I'm telling you what, I'm a lucky guy here in the studio to all of our fans out there and listeners to the life of a networker. Uh, I've got a new dear friend of mine. Uh, Robert Hollis is in the house with us. Robert, how are you, my friend? Blessed and highly favored. And I agree, a new friend. Uh, Thank you so much, Mike. I'm looking forward to a long and prosperous relationship without a doubt. Absolutely, man. Well, I'll tell the audience here now, uh, Robert and I were supposed to start recording an hour ago uh, for our quick 20-minute podcast, and we are an hour late because we couldn't stop with stories and and just hitting it off with each other and bringing up old names and uh, mutual friends, and we kind of laughed to say, how have we never been connected uh, with all of that? And and, uh, for those that are listening in, I can tell you this is we have a lot of special guests. Uh, that that have been on this podcast, and many of you have listened to their stories and their nuggets, you know. But there's just a group of people sometimes that you connect with in a way that you feel like you've known them for 20 plus years. You feel like you know we 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 just hit it off. I could go on vacation tomorrow with them and know that those three or four days would be a great vacation because we just know it. And uh, that's how I felt with you, Robert. So appreciate you, my friend. Honored and grateful to have you on. Let's go back though, because you know I see here now. I see the success behind your wall here, and I see the, the, the listeners can't see anything. But I mean, he's got trophies and all of that. But a guy like Robert would tell you they only came because he helped a lot of people. That's the only reason you really have success in network marketing is you've helped a lot of people make a lot of money and create time freedom. But there was a starting point for the very first time someone shared this industry with you. Take us back to where that was. How did it all come about? And a little bit of your story. Yeah. Well, Mike, first of all, I 100% agree with you. It feels like you're a long lost friend. We even brought up names that we both know that we consider friends. So uh, thank you very much for the honor to speak to your speaker, your, your listeners here. And uh, yeah, I, I I was one of those guys that just did like everybody told me, you know, go to school, get your grades. I messed that up. I found <laughs> out later in life that I was dyslexic. And, and so I was special. And I tell people today that I always knew I was special. It's just that I had people tell me when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> and so ride, ride, ride the short bus. And, um, you know, I one person I think is really important, Mike. One person said to me, wow, you're really good with your hands. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm in a, in a foster home. And he goes, you fix those bikes and that, that go-kart, that snowmobile? And I said, yeah. He said, you should be a mechanic. One person. Wow. At my young age was the first person to tell me that I was good at something. And that ended up being my path. So I'm just going to be the best damn mechanic I can possibly be. And it ended up getting me jobs with Roger Penske and the Penske organization out in California. I was in North Dakota. And now I'm working on professional race cars. Couldn't get my ego uh, through a door if, if, if I tried. <laughs> I was like 25, 26 years old making 60 grand. And, and this is in the 80s. And so what happened is to show you how smart I am, 
at the Toyota Research and Development, a van started coming off the hoist because it was front engine and front wheel drive. And so my goal was to stop it. Uh, it won. <laughs> and it pushed my back against my toolbox and hypersetted my knees so bad that, uh, that they thought they were going to have to remove it. Oh. So now I'm going to someone with authority. You've got to be careful who you listen to. Uh, I go into this emergency room. This doctor touches my pants and he said, your pants are like a tourniquet. Your knee is just, you know, ruptured inside. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, you'll never be a mechanic again. And I went, oh, no, that's that's so, so for some of you, you, it's hard to get rid of your identity. You know, I was a mechanic. That's who I was. And so if I worked hard one day, I was going to have uh, a, a wife and children, a pecket fence and maybe a dog. And, and I was on this path, but then it got derailed. And now I'm making nine hundred dollars a month on workman's comp. Uh, and everything that I've ever owned is being taken away from me because my cash flow just mean I could borrow more money and owe more people money. <laughs> it's a, never thought about buying anything cash, you know, young and, and pretty stupid. And, and so all of a sudden they told me that if I didn't learn another thing to do, that they were going to take my wet work was comp away. And I wasn't a real spiritual or godly man at the time. But I got down on the one knee I had left, and I just remember just saying, man, if, if there really is a God or something, you got my attention, uh, where you need me to go? And all I did is just open up my mind. And I still did. I got two books on Amazon. Uh, they're also in Spanish. And, and, and uh, there was this kid that I met only two times. His name was Sean Hennigan. And I've been saying his name easily over a hundred thousand times in the last 34 years because this man was brave enough to listen to a guy and say listen who's the sharpest person you know who's the most motivated person you know who's optimistic who who's a mover and shaker and sean said i met this kid that works on race cars for a, a billionaire and so he gave me a call at that time my name is bobby <laughs> And he said to me the wrong thing. You can't say the wrong thing to the right people. This is his opening phrase, Mike, and you'll crack up. He said, Bobby, have you heard of Amway? I had heard of no company. I didn't know what direct sales, network marketing, MLM, Amway, nothing. I'm a mechanic. And he goes, have you heard of Amway? And I said, no. And he says, well, it's something like that, but it's legal. So, so, so the people that are watching or listening to this podcast, please don't send me a message. I know Amway's legal, you know, but this is what he said to me, but because he was saying the wrong things and not the stuff he was told to say, thank God to this day, I said, Sean, I don't understand. Can you just get to the point? And he said, I met this guy named Bill. Uh, he had a check attached to the stub. It was $62,000. And he said that he put together a training and a marketing system that people can make six figures their first year with him if they're coachable and willing to follow the instructions. Would you like to meet him? And I said, I'll come pick you up. <laughs> and I, I met him. I got to see the check. And I know some people are going, hey, I'm told that you're not, you know, you can't show income or talk about income. This was done in a private situation. There was no Internet. There was no cell phone. And I just thought at the time, you know, I didn't think that I could make 62 grand, Mike, but I really thought 
this guy possessed the knowledge that what if I could make 10% of what he's making? Yeah. And that could replace the money that I that I lost as being an, uh, a mechanic where I could provide for my family. So I just happened to catch the guy at the right time. He was leaving one company and going to another. And him and four guys were all seeing who could be walk the stage at number one. And so I was around the right atmosphere with people that have done it in the past that were documented. And, and they just really made this simple for me. You know, I still to this day teach the same principles because the simple principles work every time. Absolutely. So that's the beginning of my story 34 years ago. And <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. And, you know, I, for the listeners out there, it's it's and here's the good news, Robert, on this podcast is uh, there's no rules and we can share everything. We can share checks oh. and we can share all that good stuff uh, because we are literally on a uh, what I call Mike's private Mike's private podcast here. Um, but no, in all seriousness, what you're saying, you know, in today's world is different, too. Right. There's a lot more regulations, a lot more rules and stuff. But back then. You know, back in the day, I hear so many great stories like this where people would share their check stubs. And, 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 and what does that do for the audience, for you guys? And where do you use that in today's business? It's you just point, right? You point. If you're not making the money yourself, you point to your leadership. You point to examples of people in your company who are making it because you're on the pathway to get there and you might not be there yet. So you don't need to make 60 grand a month to recruit people like a Robert Hollis, but you do need to be able to point as the example to people within your company. And so that's one way you can recruit folks. And then again, there's many other ways and we'll share and pick up a a bunch of different things here with Robert. So let's go back now to also, so you got started in the industry, right? And is it fair to say that you didn't hit a grand slam in the first 90 days? Uh, You know, that that you, you probably didn't make a million dollars and and all of that good stuff and so walk us through a little bit of what what kind of what was your start back then and and with that start and what you went through what would you kind of done different not that we have regrets but but to help the audience maybe that are just getting started not make some of the mistakes you made so they can catapult their business faster right well i have a very weird story um my weird story is that my first two weeks I learned from a bunch of people that didn't know what they were doing. I mean, I was going, I was knocking doors trying to do water filter uh, puppy dog trials. And so I I just went, I I know I'm special. I can't do this. I'm not making any money. I, I couldn't sell anything. And what happened was one of the uplines between me and, and Bill um, had me go to a convention at the Western Bonaventure in downtown LA. And, and he said, if I didn't go, um, that he wasn't going to work with me anymore. So I went there and I hated it. These people were walking across the state and I'm going like, I got to be the stupidest person on the planet. Why are these people making money? And I'm not. Uh, I didn't enjoy any of it. I was really, really close-minded. And then this one guy from the Middle East walked across the stage and he says, my name is Ahmad Mahad. I've been in company. I'm buying second Mercedes, building new home with broken English. And my first response is I just wanted to beat the hell out of this guy. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I respectfully waited for him to get off stage and his upline and downline was there. And I very simply asked him um, because a lot of people will do what they think will work instead of doing what's supposed to work and keeping this simple. And I said to this guy, would you help me? And he said, sure. He goes, I walk up to strangers and I say to them, do you want to make money? Yes, no. And me not understanding, I said, well, what if they ask you questions? And he said, I say to them, answer my question first. 
Do you want to make money? Yes, no. Okay, yes. What is this? He says, great. I want to introduce you to Money Man. And his Money Man at that time was a guy named Jeff Roberti. That's the $100 million man. You know what I mean? Uh, and so after he said that, he looked at me and he said, who's your Money Man? And I went, well, Wes Martin. He goes, I don't know. Peter Wilson, I don't know. Uh, Melinda Afner, I don't know her. And he goes, did they walk the stage? And I said, no. And he said, those are not money people. Interesting. He said, Robert, on Monday, call NSA in Memphis, Tennessee, and tell them that you want to talk to your national marketing director and give them their phone number, and, and, and your money man will give you a call. He lived in San Diego. So when he called me back that same Monday, he said, what are you doing uh, tomorrow? And I said, anything you tell me. <laughs> and, and, and I drove in a broken up Celica all the way from LA down to San Diego to spend the next three days with them. And Jeff Roberti was there as well. Wow. And so in the next 30 days, I made no money my first two weeks. Once I found the right people, my first check from the company was over 10 grand. And for you guys that don't know the history of this industry, let me clarify that. Uh, the reason that those companies got in trouble back then is half of my check was rebates and they wouldn't telling anybody. So when I tell you I got a check for 10 grand, I had to pay 5,000 out in rebates to the people that came into the company. So I really made six, you know, no, I made five. But if people sat in front of the room and said I made 10 grand, they were lying. And so- right. This is where this law first came out that you can't show your check, but Amway and those companies were forced to not have a direct distributor anymore, that they need to pay everyone directly from the company. So that, that's not an issue anymore. So, but all I did, Mike, which you already covered, because uh, you know, you and I know we're on the same page, is, is Bill just sat down with me and he said, Robert, who's the smartest person you know? The most outgoing. And he was basically making me hone in on my chicken list that I didn't know. The second thing is he explained to me what he would say to that person. So he says, if, if his name is Rick, I'll call Rick and say, hi, Rick, my name is Bill. I know you don't know me. I'm sitting here with your, your, your friend, Bobby. I asked him who he might know that could help us expand our company. We're one of the fastest growing of our kind. And, and he said, you, based off his recommendation, I'd like to get a few minutes of your time to see how it could be beneficial for you. And, and he said, if I said that to Rick, would you give me his number? And I said, yeah. And he freaking called him right then. And as soon as he got him on the phone, I heard him say, well, you got a pen and paper? Yeah. He said, well, I'll see you in a couple hours. And this guy drove from LA all the way to San Diego to meet Bill. Now, when he came in, you're going to crack up. I believe in miracles. Everything's a miracle, like Albert Einstein says. And when you're right in the right place, um, Rick comes in. He's a plumber. And we're selling water filters. <laughs> oh, man. Grand slam. <laughs> Bill said, where do you see yourself getting started? He said, at the top, you know. <laughs> And, and uh, all I needed to do is get excited, learn to edify and promote someone other than me, and put them in front of the me mechanism, the machine, the person with the information. And, and uh, Mike, I got so great at this that I would even say before I asked them for their help where I currently was so they wouldn't ask me any questions. So you and I talking before the podcast, this is what I would say. 
I would say, hi, my name is Robert. And you go, hi, uh, my name is Mike. I said, Mike, listen, I'm helping a company expand and I need to be straightforward with you. Right now, I'm on, I'm, I'm on workman's comp. I'm making $900 a month, but I'm learning from this guy that I want to introduce you to. And then I would explain because then no one asked me questions when I told them I was making 900 bucks a month. How could I humble myself and circumvent being the deal to get them to the person that was the deal? And of course, mirror and matching, knowing that he learned from Larry Thompson, Larry Huff and Jim Rowan. You know, I, I just was methodical in watching what they did. Man, I went flying up the ranks. I went from you know, I think I did 27,000 in volume in that next 30 days and then went to the next rank and the next rank and hit the top position within six months because I never stopped in 18 months just using that system. It did make a difference if I had a rank and I had a check. I didn't want to be the deal. I didn't want to mess this up. Man, that's that's so so many nuggets in there. And, and I hope our listeners, for the few of you out there that uh, use what they call today as a piece of paper and a pen. I know we've gotten so far away from that with technology, but man, uh, so many great nuggets to write down on there. And and really kind of, I'm going to scratch a question here, uh, Robert, because you covered it right there. It's It's the importance of finding a good mentor, finding someone within your company, and they don't even have to be within your company now, thanks to YouTube and all the different things. Find somebody, though, that has a fit for what you believe in, that, that maybe if it's a spiritual religion or, you know, they meet those requirements for you and they have a family and you have a family and, and you mirror match and you go, OK, I relate to this guy or to this gal. Perfect. That's that's a start for a mentor. And then figure out what is it that they did to create the success that they have today and you follow that pathway, right? right. And I would, I would suggest to follow the pathway from somebody who's made it, right? If, if your goal yeah. is to make six figures, you better make sure that the person's made six figures, right? If the goal is to yeah. be made. And, and if you're in business with them, I know this is going to blow people away, but even people that show their income in their back office, the law really states that if you do it to entice somebody to get involved. So if I said to you, hey, everyone, Mike put me on here and here's my pitch. You need to buy this stock, whatever right. the stock is. And I said that, oh, by the way, if the stock did the same thing as Apple and you put in $50 when Apple was $10, you'd be a trillionaire today. That's, that's telling you that if you did what the people did in Apple at the beginning, that you're going to get the same results. That's a lot. Yeah. That, that is enticement. That's getting people to get involved. If you're already in the company, they can't entice you to get in. <laughs> you're, you're already in. So find a person in your, in your company that, that will show you their back office because you're already a rep. Absolutely. Well, it's so funny you said that. I, I remember when I got started in the industry and I was, I was 18 years old and, and my, my assistant principal in high school down in Florida was the guy who brought me into the industry, invited me out to a presentation. And I'll never forget, he did exactly that um, that night, or not that night, I'd say that week, I got signed up, I went to a training, and the guy in front of the room was showing us some different stuff, and he was recognized as a $400,000 income earner. And so I asked my friend, my teacher, my mentor, I said, well, well how are you doing? He goes, oh, I, I, I do pretty good, you know, I'm doing this part-time, I'm a full-time principal. And I said, well, that's cool. He says, let me show you. We have our back office, and exactly what you said, and he showed me, and what it was was four to 5000 a month, 
And that blew me away at 18 yeah. years old that you could make that money part-time. I said, man, if I just make that full-time, I'm here for good because I don't got to go to college anymore. This is great, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so that was kind of the same exact example that, uh, that you're referring to. So, Robert, let's, let's, let's talk now and have a little fun because okay. now we've talked about going back in the day. You got started. You know, you had a couple weeks of struggle and you found the mentor. Success started to happen. Once you really made it, once the money was completely out of the way, what were some of the cool things that you've been able to do over the years now by having financial freedom? And, and what, however that looks to any of our listeners, sometimes right. it's the car, sometimes it's the house, sometimes for me today, it's all about experiences and travel. That's what I love. But for you, what were some of the big goals that you had that now money was no option? You could achieve those. The biggest one for me is uh, my wife of 38 years. She's my angel. Um, um, she came with me out to California. So we're living in a studio apartment. <laughs> Everybody talks about how bad they have it. And of course, we bought the apartment in the, in the cheapest one, right? Um, I didn't even realize at that time in L.A., but that's not a good area to live in. That's why it's cheap. <laughs> so this guy that I met there, he's seen I had a motorcycle and, and drove it back and forth to work all the time. And he goes, you need to push that in your apartment. And I was going, are you serious? He said, you can park it in front of your vehicle. And they had carports. He said, they will get it out. <laughs> and so three on the third story, I would push my uh, motorcycle in there. So on weekends before the helmet law, my wife and I, at the time, girlfriend, boyfriend, we drive all the way down to Penga to, to PCH. Wow. And, and just, you know, cost no nothing, you know, we're young. And, and we would drive along PCH. And every time we stopped on the beach, you were looking at the beach or whatever. But if you turned around, there seemed to be these houses that were way up on the hill. And, and I just went, wow. And back then, I'm not going to tell anybody to do this. But, you know, back then, me and my wife would get on motorcycle and we'd go up there. Of course, they're gated communities, but you can walk around the gate. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> That's real daydreaming. Yeah. And we would walk into these homes that were partially constructed or, or almost through, never broke in anywhere, and, and just stood up there and had a blanket and, you know, picnic and stuff. And just look at the view that these people seen. And that's when it sort of got me that, you know, why did these people deserve this and I don't deserve this? And, and I just went... So it got me to think it's possibility. And that was before I found network marketing. So yeah. I'm like going, what are these people doing? And so, you know, so to be able to get the homes were cool and more than one. But when I grew up at, in network marketing, if you were living in Newport Coast and Orange County as a network marketer, mm -hmm. uh, I'll just throw out some names, you know, Bill Gould and Danny Dimicali and all these old, you know, uh, Mike, you call them the old gangsters. I guess I was part of that young group. You know? <laughs> and and uh, man, if you had a home down there, you were the deal. And so uh, we eventually had got a home in that area and, and uh, people could walk up to my pool and, and see all the Newport coast, all the beach, everything. And then if you look down, that's where Kobe Bryant lived. Oh, cool. The, the next level down below our home. And, um, you know, I, the other thing that was just really neat is the stuff that I got to do for people. I shared with you that um, all of a sudden I found out that even though I hit a pin position and you get the trophy on stage, that, 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 that doesn't last very long. 
And I found out that I'm sort of a, uh, addicted to progress. And so I shifted it from hitting the top positions to how many people I could get on stage. Nice. And in 2012, I was with a company where all the people on stage that were number two through 10 were in my organization. Oh, that's and that's awesome. when it really started clicking. And then I focused on teaching more of helping people become, make a million in commission. And so, so far I've done that with 62 people. And, and then it came to how many people can I get to make a million in commission to all of a sudden it's like, well, why can't I make more money where instead of giving 10% of my income, I could slide that to 20, I could slide that to 30. And I didn't know anything about wealth at that time, but, but when I met people that started managing my money, they were, they love me because the government still says I can give away 44% of my income. And, and take down the profit of my corporation to get taxed less. But if you don't have that money, you know, 44% of $1,000, I'm not going to give that away. So that's the only reason that I, I, I consistently went out there and build uh, my, my mentor in network marketing, did slide a number in my head. And he said, wow, you know, if you could make a half a million dollars a year and it would just cash flow residual income. So he wasn't talking about network marketing. He was talking about your money-making money. Mm -hmm. And that magic number at that time was 12. So if I could have $12 million in investments that would make me a half a million dollars a year, then I could have fun doing this business instead of doing it because I had to do it. So that allowed me that when you and I talked about when, unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, owners of companies have egos and things happen. And so if you've been hurt in this industry, just get over it. I tell people, uh, you might not like this statement, but there was three girls in high school uh, that didn't see a long-term future with me that I dated. <laughs> and so I think Mike will agree with this statement. After a heartbreak, um, people would say, I'd have the perfect girl for you. And I'd say, no. You know, I, I, I'm not ever dating or marrying again. And time heals wounds. And then Mike reaches up to me and I, it says, I got this girl for you. And I go, as long as she's not redhead. And, you know, it's like, you know, you start dropping your standards a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't give up on the dream that you had when you first thought of the possibilities of this industry. Mike, I'm sure you probably heard this phrase, but when I watched Bill write on a, on, on a chalkboard, that's how old I am, 59, and he was doing chalk, all I wanted to do from that point forward is be a circle. I just wanted to be a circle that had other circles underneath it and that, that rank band submits go up. And I knew immediately that I didn't have to fall into the salesman syndrome where I'm just seeing how many people I can sponsor front level. But if I actually took the time to help someone replace their income, they become very loyal. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and so there, 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 that's what I can say. The, the other little things that I've bought is at the age of 50, I can tell you guys about the stupidest ones. So you guys all know that, that it's for real. I wanted to buy a Rolls Royce off the showroom floor and I wanted to do it before I was 50. And I did that. We were in a big event in, in uh, Las Vegas. I went to Towns Motor, uh, bought this $350,000 Rolls Royce, didn't talk to my wife, really <laughs> stupid. 
really, really, really stupid. And then I had a four-year lease on a vehicle that I was paying $4,500 a month tax write-off. And I think in four years, I put just a little over 2,000 miles on it. Did I feel good driving it? Yeah. Was it an accomplishment that I did for myself? Yeah. But when it really came to renewing the lease or upping the vehicle, I just set it back. I, I, I just said, no. And so, you know, it ended up costing me another 13000 uh, from you know, because you drive it off the showroom floor. And it's, <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, so some of you are saying, you know, I don't need an expensive home. I don't need an expensive car. Um, I will share one thing with you that my mentor shared with me, that there are so many people in the world right now that have jobs and they're feeding their family with that job. And that means that there's people out there that are doing custom homes. There's people out there that are doing Rolls Royces. There's people out there that are in the vacation industry, as Mike talked about. You need to make the money to make sure those people keep their jobs. Very true. And so don't look at it as a luxury. Look at it. And I pray that all of you learn to do this well enough where you have to have an accountant and have to have a CPA that says, if you don't spend the money, we're just giving it to the government. And I'm not opposed to giving it to the government. I feel like they try to do their best, but I'd rather give it to a charity than give it to the government. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's uh, it's so true. And and for the listeners out there, here's here's kind of what I've discovered, Robert, over many interviews now with very successful people like yourself is a lot of them in the early stages of making good money did the cars, did the homes, did the things you wanted. And then you start to figure out something that even Jessie Lee Ward, who I love to death, she, she posted uh, today about, um, you know, she's in an apartment now. And somebody said, well, if you're making all this money, why are you in an apartment? You should be in a big home. She's like, well, I was just in a six bedroom, five bath home, you know, big monster home and whatever. And here's a girl making three or 400 grand a month. And so she could easily get out of an apartment. But she goes, it didn't bring me joy. Fun. It was fun while it lasted, but it didn't bring me long lasting joy. And her post was so powerful because I thought of it myself. And, and some of you may say, well, Mike, you're sitting in a big old house now in Mexico and you got all this and that. And the good thing with that is yes, but I'm not attached to it. You see, being right. attached to something and being obsessed with something is where that's where it becomes wrong is enjoy it while you have it. Go get the nice car, put the top down, drive it, have fun with it. When you lose the joy for it, or it becomes like Robert's lease where you're only driving it once every two or three times a year, and it's just sitting there kind of wastefully, then let it go and don't be attached to it, right? In today's world, I love it because Airbnb allows you, you want to go experience a big home with a butler and chef and all that, go do it for a week on the beach and then go do it somewhere else for another week or go do it somewhere else. And guess what? You don't have all the headaches of the repairs and you don't have all the responsibility of a homeowner. You know, I always said this when Grant Cardone, put this out there. I thought it made so much sense, Robert. He goes, yes, I'm a renter. He says, I rent my house. You know, I'm worth multi, multi millions. He goes, I own about 150 other homes. Guess what? I own those homes, but I rent them out because I make a profit off of those. And then I rent my own place. So I don't have to deal with all the headache. And I said, man, someone was bold enough to say that because I like that approach. And so yeah. as we're saying this to you guys and the listeners is a little bit of financial education. When you make it, go have fun. Go go, go live life a little bit. Go spend a little bit. But then evaluate yourself and say, okay, here's where I, where, where do I bring my most joy? And then that's where you go fund it. And then some of you, your most joy may be cars. Some of your most joy may be real estate, property and stuff. But start to make it to where it's a good investment 
on your end and you get to have the pleasure. So a lot of great things out there we could talk about. Let's just move into the last couple minutes here, Robert, and we'll talk about two things. One, the last thing is I'll let you give closing comments to, to the listeners out there. One or two things that really could help them can't catapult their business to close out the year as we're falling in here to the, to the last quarter. But let's talk about something that I know as your company uh, that you're involved with does a great job of providing a very quality system for you guys to market and, and to be successful. So some people on the line may not have it for their company, but they can figure out how to create it. But let's just talk about the importance of a system. If you're going to get to a million dollars a year in income, what is a system going to mean to you and your business? Well, the first time I'll say to every one of you is that if I would tell you what, you know, if you could be hindsight, right? Times in my life when it didn't go well is when I wasn't using a system. And so I know this is going to sound bold, but listen to me when I say it. I would suggest to you to do stop doing everything that you're currently doing and run it through a filter in your mind. Can everyone that I share this with duplicate this process? Now, I have been with the company that I'm with right now for three and a half years. I have yet to do a presentation. Um, some of you are going to freak out because you're going, well, you should could, sure get, I, I, I can guarantee you, I can do a good damn presentation, 34 <laughs> years of doing this, but it's not duplicatable because then everybody thinks they have to do it. So you see these people that have Facebook groups on top of Facebook groups on top of Facebook groups, and they're promoting 18 different trainers in the industry. They're doing all these things where, you know, it's this training and this training and this training. It's, it's too many steps for people. And so I believe the biggest mistake that people are making right now, Mike, is you and I were taught that the most important thing was to get a person a check, Definitely. not to have them go through 40 trainings, get them a flipping check. How do you get them a check? Let them know that you're there to help them and teach them the system. So still to this day, I get excited. I love this industry. Second thing is I'm very, very good at edifying and promoting the person that's the money man today and the system. You know, listen, follow this step, go check this out. And, and when you do that, a person, when they finally decide to get in, will honestly duplicate the way that you brought them in. Mm -hmm. So not a two-hour Q&A question center. Now, you, you need to go check out the presentation, uh, get with your upline that's successful, a documented person, and go, what do you use for the peak of interest? What do you use? for the presentation. And so the last one is pass. I, I, I tell people they, they get involved with me, they break records, they make more money than they ever have, and then their income slows down and starts going backwards and they'll even fall out of qualification. And I said, what is the thing that you did at the beginning that you're not doing now? And they go, I, I don't know. I said, you were excited, you didn't know anything, so you edified and promoted me, and you got the person to go through the system and then you introduced me to the Zoom. You haven't put me on a Zoom with anyone in two years. Good point. And so they start stepping up and being the deal. But now what they do is they make their group dependent on them. And this is a thing called ego, uh, <laughs> E-G-O, edging God out, whatever you want to say. But um, the worst kind of success that you can have in this business is a little. Because then you think you got it and you start cutting the system out. Uh, you know, systems duplicate, people don't. True. So, so you want to get really, really good at connecting with a person that's documented and, and go, learn 
from them how to go after the best people you know. Uh, another mistake, Mike, I could go on forever, is that people say, well, I just want to help people. If that's the affirmation and the imagination and the manifestation that you're throwing out there, you're going to attract the people that need a lot of freaking help. <laughs> like, like, like they still trying to figure out how to pay this month's rent and it's already the eighth. Yeah. I'm not saying anything negative about those people because I was one. Sure. See, but when you're first starting to build the business, you don't want to try to build this business. You want to find people that the best people to find, by the way, and especially with COVID is people that used to make a very comfortable income and they're not anymore. So if they used to make 60,000 or 80,000 or 100,000 and they don't anymore, they want that freaking lifestyle back. And it's only like 30 or $60. Some of you think it's a big deal, but it's like they remember when they used to valet park their car. <laughs> they used to remember when they had dry cleaning. This is not a lot of money, but these are the little things when you start making a little above money where, you know, someone else used to clean my house, someone else used to clean my car. You know, these are things that once you have them, a luxury experience once becomes a necessity. Agree. 100%. And so, so now they want that lifestyle back, but they don't know how to get it back. So you trying to talk to them when you don't have the lifestyle, instead of introducing them to someone like Mike that has the lifestyle, I, I just think that's the biggest mistake is, is right there. Uh, I agree so much. And, and again, for our listeners out there, it's, it's, here's the thing. If, if you say, well, my company has a system, but it's so confusing, then don't use it. Figure out something else because simplicity yeah. is what you want. What Robert said was take what you're doing, put it through your brain, process it. Is it simple? Is it easy? And can a lot of people do it quickly, right? So, so if you've got to go and copy and paste and add this to a flyer and do this and blah, 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 well, right away, that's not going to work. If you're someone who uses click funnels, right? That is a nightmare to try to get other people to set stuff up like that, right? Not that software is not good. I'm, I've been in a software game for a long time, but it needs to be something that someone can download and go, meaning that all of the materials there, it's ready to go. They can teach it. And so just be careful what you're teaching to your organization. If you think you've got a lot of great systems and a lot of great things out there, just make sure it's duplicatable and it's easy to use. And so, and just wrapping up here, Robert, because again, you and I, man, we could sit here all day long <laughs> and catch up and talk. But, but what is the last closing remark? If you were going to be on a stage right now and you had two minutes and you were about to retire from this incredible industry, what would you want to leave the audience out there who's been in the industry, some of them, let's call it for six weeks, up to about the three-year mark, they're all making somewhere between $100 a month and five grand a month, and they are just hungry. They're licking their chops. They want to get to the lifestyle that you've built over the years. What do you say to them? Well, first of all, if no one's giving you permission to succeed in life, let me and Mike be the first. Uh -huh. I just, I love that statement because when someone said that I could do it, like when I talked about being a mechanic, you know, Bill looked at me and said, Robert, you're going to crush this. This is easier than being a mechanic. And when someone inspires someone or feeds into them that they can do this, then the next step is, can you show them the steps to do it? If you can't, like uh, Einstein says, you know, if you can't explain this to a kindergarten person to get them to take the steps, you're too complicated. You're, you're putting in way too many steps. And so sometimes the very first step is, well, listen, watch this training. That is the worst mistake that you can do. 
you, you want to take them by the hand, explain to them how to introduce you or introduce the system to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And if you can get them to go through these three psychologies very, very fast, the first psychology is who are you and why should I listen to you? You shouldn't listen to me. I'm nobody. You should listen to Mike. I mean, that's how fast you can get across that first one. Okay, okay. Well, what does Mike do? Let me send you a video. There's no one that explains what Mike does better than Mike. (laughs) True. Watch this video, and I promise you're going to get the information. Um, And then lastly is, listen, um, if you're interested and have some questions, I want you to check out the system, but I need to introduce you to Mike. So you got to get to a person where they're saying, who are you and what is this? I'm nobody, and this is the guy. Uh, This is the gal. You know what I mean? Incredible, successful women out there. And and so, you know, get them plugged into that system. The other thing I would say to people other than giving them permission to succeed, and, and Mike, in our previous conversation before jumping on here, you reminded me of it, is that you, 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 you're very unique. You're a miracle. If you don't believe you're a miracle, you need to re- read the, the Greatest Miracle in the World by Ogmandino. So my mentor told me that if I didn't go to the bookstore and get that book and follow that book, um, that he wasn't going to work with me. And it's the best thing that he ever did to me, Mike, because, um, because I didn't think highly of myself. I didn't love myself. I was in martial arts. I, I fought all the time because I was trying to find a way to vent this anger of not having a childhood. And he could recognize that in me and knew if I didn't change my mindset of feeling like that I was worthless, that I grew up on the wrong side of track, abandonment issues, all this trauma bullshit. Uh, I was very, very good at telling the wrong story and being an incredible victim, an incredible victim. I would tell you why this something wouldn't work for me. And I was good at convincing myself of that. And a lot of you listeners that are listening to this, if I talk to you for a short period of time, you'd immediately tell me why you're struggling, why you're frustrated, why you're confused, why you can't do this, why this is not for you, why you consistently find the wrong people. You got to tell yourself a different story. And when you realize that you're a miracle and no one else is like you, they don't have your DNA, they don't have your fingerprints, you're an original copy. Stop trying to be like freaking everybody else. True. And so Jim Rowan said to me very simply as he said, listen, you live twice in this world. And I wouldn't have said this at the end, Mike, if you and I didn't have our conversation. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, we all live. And when you take your last breath on this planet, you're done. The second time you die is when everyone on this planet in this universe stops saying your name. Powerful. So this business is not about you making money. This is business is about you generating a cash flow to have freedom. And that freedom allows you choices and to use this thing that they call money as a tool to help other people that can help themselves. That's the art of fulfillment. The art of fulfillment is when the most of the money that you're bringing in on a monthly basis is going to people that can help themselves. And, and you change one person's life and, that's totally worth it. I didn't know who Mike was before I did this podcast, but if there was a way that I could serve and inspire and get other people to believe that if a dyslexic auto mechanic uh, can, can pull this off, you can do this. Just stop making it so damn complicated. Do what Mike told you to do. Find a mentor. There's two kinds of mentors. One mentor, when you walk in their room, they, you see all their hardware. 
and, and they're really, really good. Um, then you walk into another, I use martial arts as an industry, and you walk in and someone's got more trophies than the other guy. And you go, wow, you really won a lot of trophies. And they said, no, these are all my students. Uh-huh. That's great. So, so, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, by the Gracies, are still performing world champions. The Gracie legacy will, will last forever. Not a McDojo. You're not going to go to Gracie's Jiu-Jitsu and get a black belt in a year. Uh, it takes a lifetime sometimes. So you want to find a documented mentor. And then here's the last thing. Stop trying to change the wheel. You know, in this industry of network marketing, affiliate marketing, we get paid by your success. Why would we want to say, hey, I just got Mike in this company. Let me teach him some unproven stuff so he suffers and he decides to quit and never wants to do this business again. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people that are listening to this message don't realize that the people that can help them the most are only going to teach you the basics that if you master those basics, you'll make money like I have for 34 years. Absolutely. It doesn't make a difference what vehicle I'm in. <laughs> I can I can get the vehicle to move. So Mike, man, what what I, I just love your interview style. I have had so much fun the last almost two hours. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough, Robert. And and for those that uh, you want to follow Robert on Facebook, he's got a great fan page, always putting out good stuff. Uh, Robert Hollis and and Robert, just uh, in closing too, on some of the things you said is, you know, what I've learned lately is the more that I work on myself and get rid of the trash from the years of what in yoga they call them samskaras, the more you get rid of that crap, the better your life will become in all different areas. And one of the things you said is, is the money part, right? Is, is all money is, is an energy that flows. And it, as you get it, you give it, as you get it, you give it. And it's not saying make a hundred dollars and give the full hundred away. We're not saying, you know, don't, don't take care of yourself and do some of the things you want for your family. It's all great. Do your stuff, live your dreams, buy the things you want, have fun. But when you make it, and especially to a level that Robert's at, there's so much extra. There's so much more that you go, okay, well, what can I do now? And when you can turn around and do what Robert's done and supporting over 25 uh, or 2,500 orphans and uh, his company lining up with sex trafficking and helping all those different causes, that's what makes the world still move in the beautiful way that the world can move in is when good people continue yeah. to do good things. It's not hard, right? So what your friend is a Republican? So what they're a Democrat? Get over the bull crap and start to love more because the message of love is the message that's got to be delivered right now. And as soon as you get that in your heart, I promise you, your business will grow. Your health will grow. Your relationship with your family and your friends and your kids will become better. So the message today is love more, care less. And Robert and I will see you guys soon over the top. Thanks again, my friend. God bless. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Tell2 app, powered by Rapid Funnel. It's not just another app, it's an entirely new technology category. The Tell2 app gives you a genuine way to build real relationships with your customers and get quality referrals with less work from you. Go to tell2app.com and build your brand, your way, and tell your story better.